You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Proverbs 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of old men and the glory of sons is their fathers. To say that my relationship with my father was unhealthy is an understatement. It took me years of inner turmoil to finally be able to come to a place where I admitted that no matter what he had done or hadn't done, that I loved him. That there was so much that I admired about him. And there were so many ways that I wanted to be like him. I have never longed for anybody's attention like I longed for my daddy's attention. I never long for anybody's approval the way I long for my daddy's approval. I never long for anybody's affection the way I long for my daddy's affection. The words that I wanted to hear from my daddy, though I heard them from a thousand other voices... His silence drowned it out. All their voices. I wanted him to teach me how to be a man. I wanted him to tell me that I was a man, or at least that I was on the right path of becoming a man one day. I wanted to know that he loved me. And I wanted that To know that he loved me more than just a natural, animalistic kind of love that a human has for their offspring. I wanted to know that he liked me. He admired me as a person. I wanted him to be proud of me. And I I tell you this, as I pen these words in preparation for this sermon, I did so with tears in my eyes. I'm 45 years old. I left home 28 years ago. 25 years ago, on Father's Day, my daddy died. But the pain over what I didn't have, it still lingers with me. This morning, I only have one thing to say, and and I want to be very clear, as you can see from Proverbs 17, verse 6, it's not me who's saying it, it's the Holy Spirit who's saying it. For better Or for worse, the glory of sons is their fathers. If you want to go to a more modern translation, you could say this. Daddies are the pride of their boys. In other words, daddies have massive influence in the lives of their children. Fathers, you have massive influence in the lives of your children. For better or for worse, 
your influence in your children's lives cannot be overestimated. So we think about this passage, I want to start today with the end in mind. The destination, the great epic destination that God is moving His world towards is the day when Jesus Christ takes His seat on the throne of the universe. We only have little glimpses now of what life is going to be like under that rule. Like now it's just a, a longing that the Apostle Paul says that he keeps on reaching forward to. Right now, more often than not, I don't know, especially this year for me, it feels like, it, it feels like we're never going to get there. But the promise of the Bible is that one day, Isaiah 11, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. That the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. With righteousness, he will judge the poor. He will strike the earth with a rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. And on that day, and every day after that, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling will walk together, and a little boy will lead them. They will not hurt or destroy anymore, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the Bible says, the nations will resort, will seek out the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. Then the Bible says that believers will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger has been turned away, and you comfort me. On that day, the people are going to say, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. And then in Isaiah 12, He likens what life will be like for the believer as those who continuously are drawing water joyously from the springs of salvation. Jesus will be king. I need to hear that in the midst of all this chaos in 2020. Days are coming when you're never going to worry again about the future. Days are coming when you're never going to be afraid ever again. The day is coming when you're never going to be sad. You're never going to be disappointed. You're never going to be hurt. You're never going to be lonely. You're never going to be misunderstood. Never again will you shake your head and say, I don't know what the world's coming to. Jesus will be king. He's going to rule like a lion with the heart of a lamb, full of grace, full of truth, full of power, and full of kindness. And when he reigns, life on planet earth is going to be good. On that day, 
There is going to be peace. That day is coming. That's not the question. The the question is, how are you and I going to get ready for that day? The question is, how are you and I going to help other people to get ready for that day? Because if you notice that the reign of Jesus is not good news for everybody. Listen again to Isaiah eleven four. But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. That's good news. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. This verse is very clear, but the rest of the Bible is very clear. There are Two and only two fates. I don't want to be among those who are struck down by the sword of King Jesus. I I, I want to be among those who are saying, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you used to be angry with me, now your anger is turned away and now you comfort me. I want my children to be among those who say, the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. I want my children to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want my children to hear, depart from me, accursed ones. I want to remind you, That one of the most powerful and yet neglected ways that God works to prepare people to meet Jesus is, you ready? Godly daddies. One of the most powerful but neglected ways that God uses to prepare people to meet King Jesus is godly daddies. Listen to the last two verses of the Old Testament. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Listen to this. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. That is, that's the last two verses of the Old Testament. That's the last thing that God has to say to His people before 400 years of silence as they await the arrival of their Messiah. Then, John the Baptist is sent. He comes on the scene announcing the Savior. And so, and so I quote Luke one seventeen: God sent John the Baptist to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as, here's the goal, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. How is it? That God prepares a people to meet the Lord. He turns the hearts of fathers to their children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. It's sad that fathers are, are, are so neglected by the culture. That, that men are so put down. The role of men are so put down. And yet the culture cannot deny that it's true. Because you tell me, what happens to a culture when, when fathers check out? 
What happens to a father, to a culture when daddies go missing? What happens to a culture when daddies grow slack? What happens to a culture when daddies neglect to do what God has called them to do in loving their family, leading their family, providing for their families, and protecting their families? It's, it says it right here in Malachi 4. This is, this is the lead up to God smiting the land with a curse. I don't have to convince you that the, the chasm between the left and the right in our culture has never been greater. And yet, it's, I heard somebody say recently that when the left and the right in America agree on something, you better take notice of what that is. Here, even the left and the right have to agree. The evidence is just too clear. The, the, the scientific research is too conclusive. Daddies matter. I don't have to quote you statistics, though they're not hard to find. I'll just read to you, and you're going to see, this is, this is from fatherhood.gov. This is from the U.S. government. This is not from Focus on the Family. You're going to see that it has a leftward bent to it, but notice what is absolutely inescapable. And I quote, I'll quote two studies. There is certain evidence, there is certain evidence that cohabitation with the mother and her male partner is associated with less externalizing behavioral problems. Active and regular engagement with the child predicts a range of positive outcomes. Father engagement seems to have differential effects on desirable outcomes by reducing the frequency of behavioral problems in boys and psychological problems in young women. And enhancing cognitive development while, increased, while decreasing delinquency and economic disadvantage in low SES, that's socioeconomic status, families. Here's one that was interesting to me. Findings revealed a significant relationship between aspects of father involvement in their children's education and student achievement beyond that accounted for by mother involvement. Daddies, you have a massive influence in the lives of your children. God has designed the universe in such a way that daddies have a captive, receptive audience. He has made the universe in such a way that the glory, the pride of sons is their father's. Fathers give children something very important. It is, it is so important that it is hard to find words to express how critical, how powerful it is. Fathers give to their children an identity. And when that identity is missing or degrading, or discouraging, a door is opened up for unspeakable damage to a person's life. Do you remember what God did in Jesus' life right before Jesus was about to go into the wilderness to face the hardest thing that He had faced in His life up to that point? To be tempted with the full onslaught of the devil's temptation personally in his life for 40 days. Do you remember how God prepared Jesus 
for that time? You know what happened right before that? His baptism. Jesus is coming up out of the water and a voice from heaven said to Jesus, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He's giving His Son an identity. He's reminding His Son of who He is. And we, you need to be reminded. We need to have a robust theology here. It is true that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. But the second person of the Trinity became a human being with real needs. Read the gospel and see that Jesus needed his father. And on that day, his father spoke and reminded him of his identity. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. This didn't just happen once. Be reminded right before, in, in the turn in the Gospels, when Jesus is getting ready to make his trek to Jerusalem. And there he's not just going to face the hardest thing he's ever faced. He's going to face the hardest thing that anybody has ever faced. But before that, God met with him. His father met with him on the mountain of transfiguration. And once again, a voice from heaven said, This is my son, my chosen one. The father did that for Jesus. But he's modeling that for us. We're called to be imitators of this father. If, if Jesus needed the father's encouragement... It shouldn't surprise us that our children need our encouragement. And here's the good news. The good news is they'll listen. Because God has so created us that the glory of sons is their fathers. God has designed it so that your words have weight. Brothers, do you hear what the Holy Spirit is, is calling you to? He has given you a sacred calling. And He's given you a receptive audience. Use that platform, daddies, for good. Now here's what I want to do. I want us to think about, okay, well, what does this look like in real life? How, how can I use my platform for good? And, and my goal is, you can tell me if I succeed later, my, my goal is to be broad enough that it's, it's going to fit for, for fathers of all ages. Because here's the deal. I, I have met with, with men in their 80s who long for their daddy's approval. And I want to be specific enough that it would actually be helpful. Four words. There are four commands, actually. Be. Bless. Instruct. Correct. They're all essential, but I, I, I hope that you see. I put arrows in between because I, I believe that they flow relationally in that order. The first command, we want to have godly influence in the lives of our children. We need to be men of God. Let me, let me contrast two passages for you. I hope that you can see this. If you can't read that second passage, you can turn to it. It's Matthew 23, 1-4. through 4. 
But here are two passages. One that I, I want to mark my parenting and one I want to fight with all of my heart. The first one on the left is Proverbs 20 verse 7. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Contrast that with Matthew 24. And again, he's speaking to Pharisees, but you could easily just see how this applies to, to parenting. I don't think I need to explain it anymore. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a, as a finger. What a contrast. You, you want to you do good in the lives of your children? Then be the real deal. You've heard it from me a thousand times, and I don't mind reminding you again. Here's, here's the reality. You don't have what it takes in you to be the real deal. Genuine goodness, the, the Bible calls it righteousness, has only one source. And that source is Jesus. Romans 5. For as to the one man's disobedience, our first father Adam, the many were made sinners... Fathers have lots of influence over their children. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. For what does the scripture say, Romans 4? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Your only hope of being good is admitting to God that you're not good, trusting in Jesus to have gone to a cross to die for you and to forgive you and then to work his goodness into your life. But there's nothing worse than a hypocrite. With all of our heart, we want to fight Hypocrisy. The most important thing for our kids to see is a man who knows his sin. I think Tony said it exactly right. Not, not us pretending that we have it all right, but for a man to know his sin and to model for his children what it is like to depend upon Jesus to forgive him and then to trust in Jesus, to walk clinging to him for the goodness of that he needs to walk with integrity before his children. Proverbs 20 verse 7. Walk with the Savior in humble, dependent integrity before your kids. And look at what happens. How blessed are his sons after him. Don't you want that for your kids? Be. Secondly, I think the Bible calls us to bless. The glory of sons is their fathers. That means that your words have weight. It means that your words can either build up magnificently or they can tear down horrifically. Don't underestimate the power of your blessing on your children. And again, it doesn't matter how old your children are. You may have adult children. Your 
Children want your blessing. You remember Esau by his daddy's bedside? Genesis 27. Here's the grown man. Big tough Esau. Listen to him. Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, oh my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. Bless me, even me, my oh my father. That is the cry of every boy and every man I have ever met. Longing for their daddy's blessing. It is painful beyond words when they don't get it. And it is powerful beyond words when they do. Daddies, bless your children. Let your children know that they know that they know that you love them. Let them know, no matter what, that you love them. And that you're expecting God to do great things in them. I just want to be clear. This is not, this is not modern pop psychology. I'm not, I'm not tuning in to Dr. Phil to see what Dr. Phil thinks about how we should raise kids. This is, go home and get a concordance and just look up the word encouragement. See the power of encouragement. I'll give you just a sampling. Think about 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 2. You are witnesses, Paul says, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. That's the being like we just talked about. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would his own children. The expectation is that, that fathers exhort and encourage their children. Think about what, what, what God told Moses to do for Joshua, his son in the ministry in Deuteronomy 3, 28. Again, this is, this is God saying, Moses, you, you want this nation to succeed after you're gone? Then here's what I want you to do. Charge Joshua and encourage him. Strengthen him, for he shall go across to the head of this people, and he will give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. This is what God did for his son. He encouraged him, and then his son took on the devil and won. The encouragement of a father is like a well of strength. Like You look at what's happening in the world right now, and here's the one thing I know. This world needs men who don't blame people, but who take responsibility. More often than not, those kind of men are built by godly men who encourage them to be bold enough to do the right thing, to fight for the right thing, and not even think about giving up. But, but here's reality. Some of you put your children down. Some of you kick your children in the teeth. You're pulling the rug out from under them. If they become men and women of strength and grit and character, it will be in spite of you and not because of you. Listen to Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, 
The spirit of man can endure sickness. Coronavirus is nothing. We can, the spirit of man can endure that. Bad as it is, that's, that's not too bad. But listen to this. But as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? You can't bear it. Bless your children. I want to be clear. You don't have to endorse bad behavior. But you can love even the wayward. Think about how God dealt with Gideon. Go back and read this story in Judges chapter 6. Here's Gideon, supposed to be leading the people. He's hiding because he's scared of the Midianites. Listen to this. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is, is with you, O valiant warrior. <laughs> Gideon was anything but a valiant warrior. But God encouraged him. And guess what happened? He became a valiant warrior. Think about how the father received back the prodigal. Think about how Jesus received Peter back over and over and over again. You can't endorse sin. But here's what you can do. You can look for the evidences of God's grace in your children's life and encourage that. You can love them even in their sin. Isn't that the gospel? But God demonstrates His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Here's something. Your encouragement can start right here. Son, I just want to be honest with you. You're living in sin. And it's breaking my heart. But here's what gives me hope for you. That God loves sinners. Jesus came to die for sinners. I want you to bow your knee to Him because I love, I would love to see what God is able to do through you. Daddies, we need to be. We need to bless. I'm going to pick up the pace, but we need to instruct. Teach your children God's heart and God's ways. Open your Bible. I have a video on this. I would love to sit down and talk about this more. Open your Bible, read it to your children, ask basic questions like, what does this text teach you about God? What does it teach you about Jesus? What does it teach you about yourself? O- open the Bible and read it to your children. And I'll just, it is a struggle in my home for us with all of our schedules to sit down all together around the table and, and, and we fail, I fail. But I am absolutely committed to not giving up on this. I commend the Proverbs to you as a good example of a daddy pleading with his children to walk in God's wisdom. Proverbs 1.8 Hear his passion. Hear my son your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad and let them rejoice who gave birth to you. Give me your heart my son and let your eyes delight in my ways. Years ago, I read through the Proverbs and I made a list of, of what the Holy Spirit, uh, what His examples was of the topics that I needed to instruct my kids about. You can ask me for this list if you're interested and I'll send it to you. But, but 
Over and over, the Proverbs, this daddy is instructing his children about their friends, about sex and adultery, about money and work, about honesty and integrity in life and in speech. He teaches them about humility, about listening to correction, about self-control, about the dangers of drugs and alcohol. We need to be men of God who know God, who depend upon God. We need to bless our children. And then we need to instruct them the ways of God. And finally, we need to correct them. There, there is a sad line in 1 Kings chapter 1 about David's son, Adonijah, who rebelled against him. There's an explanation in verse 6 as to why David's son turned out so wicked. Listen to this. His father had never crossed him at any time by asking, why have you done so? Your kids are sinners. And they need correction. We daddies have been charged with that responsibility. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Correction and discipline are hard. They are painful. Your kids don't like it. In the moment, it's not pleasant. But Hebrews chapter 12 says this is what good daddies do. In the moment, it's not pleasant. But in the end, it leads. It leads to the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And here's the thing. If we will faithfully do the first three, if we will walk with God without hypocrisy, and we will practice what we're preaching, we will model what we're, what we're leading our children to, to embrace, and we will, we will let our children live under our blessing so that they know that we love them, that we're proud of them, that they have our affection. And we do a faithful job of instructing them. Now, listen, kids are sinners and there is no formula. The solution is Jesus. But more often than not, our children will receive our correction. If the first three are in place, they're a lot more likely to hear us when we correct them. Here's the good news. Jesus is king. He's the king. Which in some ways it makes our work more weighty as fathers. Because our children don't belong to us. He's the king. They belong to him. We're doing his bidding. But, but in another way, this really lifts the burden from our shoulders to see that we're, we're yoked together with Christ in this. He's the king. That these children belong to him. I'm not the savior. He's the savior. He's the king. He's the one who's able. We, I, can, I can be and I can bless and I can instruct and I can correct as faithfully as I know how. And my kids still be wayward. He's the only one who's able to work in the hearts. But he's the king who can work in the hearts. And so it lifts the way from us because it's not, it's not ultimately about us. My job is to open the Bible to believe what it says and to seek humbly to do it. But he's the one who works in hearts. He's the one who draws people to himself.
Jesus is king. Here's the thing. He's a kind king. And his mercies are new every morning. We men fail. Every single one of us. I've never met a godly man or a godly parent who doesn't look back and have serious regrets about how they raise their kids. But his mercies are new every morning. And he died to save sinners. And he is committed. He's designed the world where he uses sinners to to build the next generation of disciples. Even for us failures, the glory of sons is their fathers. And so let's use that platform. And let's commend Jesus to our children. Let's pray. Father in heaven, there is both weight and relief at the fact that you are king. There is not a person in this room who doesn't have scars from their parents. And there's not a parent in this room without regrets for what they did or didn't do with their children. Father, I pray for every single one of us that you would give us grace to seek our all and all in Christ. Lord, I pray that his encouragement over us, I am reminded of Isaiah chapter 62, where the Bible says that our Father sings over us. Our identity in Christ is that we are sons of God through faith in him. Lord, I pray regardless of what didn't happen with our parents, that that new identity would be ours. And that voice would overpower all the other voices in our lives. Father, I pray that you would give us grace to walk humbly with your son. And then to raise up our children. To put their hope in him. This is your work. God, I pray that you would make us dependent as we seek to join you in it. And I pray, Father, we pray that generations after us would know and love your Son. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton Podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.